the Burger Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features Duck Tangent, drummer of the Indiana-based punk trio, The Puts. Here's their song, From Dusk Till Dawn. This whole COVID thing is really messing with like time. Like hmm. it's really like I think back now, 2018 is already like three years ago, but it seems like it was last year in yeah. my mind. Yeah. It doesn't seem well, maybe not last year, but it seems like it was not long ago, is what I'm saying. And it's already been three years. It's and insane. It's, yeah. It's insane. It's, you know, things that happened in 2018 or albums that may have come out or movies that may have come out or things that whatever that I either missed and just still catching up on, still considered new, you know, it's like my whole fucking, it's like your equilibrium as far as time goes is all thrown off because of COVID and how last year was just kind of just everything was at a standstill. I mean, having said that though, I will say it was pretty amazing to see some things uh, still march on quite a bit. And, and a great example of that is, the amount of spectacular music we got last year was mm-hmm. just mind blowing, you know, mm-hmm. but you know how it is to put out a record. And, but those things they you know, you plan those things out. And so, I mean, obviously nobody really knew that a pandemic of this size was going to hit. So all these records were likely going to come out anyway, or most of them, anyway. right. you know, right. there might, there might've been a few like one-off projects that people put out because of the pandemic, just to cheer everybody out. I know, with the putts, we did that with the shut up EP. Uh, we didn't really know what we were doing with that. It wasn't even like a sculpted idea. It was just kind of like we had a bunch of scraps on the cutting room floor, so to speak, from the Rise and Shine session. And, you know, uh, and I had sent, I had sent everything. There was like 20 something songs that I sent from that whole session over to Eccentric Pop just to have them check it out. But we already had an idea what the album was going to be. It's just I sent him everything from the session, the album, the the rejects, whatever you want to call them, you know, mm. and and he was like later. And so that was early on. And but then later on, he was like, you know, hey, I know you got a few, um, you know, handful of songs left over. So do you have any plans for those? And we're like, not really. I mean, we kind of pictured some sort of maybe an EP of some kind, but we didn't you know, it wasn't like a perfectly sculpted vision, you know. And he said, well, I'll put them, I'll throw them on a seven inch if you want. I'll make like a super limited number of them. So all that was coming together and that, that was starting to become the plan. That was like about a year ago. And then this pandemic hits and Billy and Pat and I are all just like in shock, like everybody else. And everything's shut down. We had tours planned for last year to support Rise and Shine and all that. It was going to be a big year for us. It still, it still honestly was, the album was very well received, but but, uh, you know, it was good. obviously going to there was going to be multiple tours and things like that. We had a lot planned. And so we're just kind of like trying to 
figure out what the fuck's going on like everybody else. And all of a sudden, it just became kind of obvious. We're like, well, Travis is going to put out, except your pop, is going to put out this 7-inch, you know, in like a couple, it was like a few months off or something like that. I don't remember the timeline. But we knew it was going to happen now at this point. We knew, we kind of just handed it off to Travis and he he took the reins on that, you know. But we, we had the digital release to think, you know, and, and, and Travis said, well, uh, shut up, digital release. Uh, either I can, you know, I can distribute it on my digital platforms or you can, whatever. He was less concerned about that. He said, I just wanted something, uh, the physical release to be rare and geared towards my Patreon people. Like, you know, I said, okay, no problem. You know, um, the physical release only exists because of this idea, because of him. So sure, okay, we're flexible. So he he did the distribution for the digital release on his digital platform through all of his you know the same way he would any of his releases, mm-hmm. but um, but we told him I said let's let's put this out there on our Bandcamp first, um, for free. Let's just put it out there, you know, um, you know, and I think there was a lot of people throughout the year did you know tried to do some things like that, like you know a new track for free or a new EP for free or in some cases a brand new album for free just to kind of keep everybody in spirits throughout the year. And I think that helped a lot. Like that was, that was huge. Screeching Weasel obviously put their album out Mm -hmm. early, real early on, you know, and I think that was a huge help. No effects. I think put out a few couple songs and a video and all that. And that was like, well, the queers too also released that, you know, like I I think you, I think you're on something as well, because even the people that I've spoken with, um, like the artists that tends to get brought up a lot. You know, this this entire, like, fucking podcast was essentially started because I couldn't book shows and I couldn't play shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so yeah. I'm like, all right, I, I've, I've met all these wonderful uh, people throughout my whole life, right, playing music mm-hmm. forever. Um, let's preserve those relationships. You know, let's let's keep the conversation going. None of us can play shows right now. So we're either recording music or we're watching movies, right, and drinking. So it's like, so let's just, let's find a way to, to, to kind of mainline that and that mm-hmm. turn into to this conversation. But, but to your point, um, I'm like extremely thankful. It's like, sure, I'm not like, I'm not the biggest fan of the live stream, although I'm thankful for it um, because mm-hmm. that, yeah, has been, that has been awesome. Like, it's been great to be able to see some of those. Um, like, I watched the CKY. Lifesaver. Yeah, for real. I watched the CKY one. I watched, like, a bunch of, like, local bands that were doing stuff, and, and it was really cool to see that. Um, more importantly, because that's the best it was going to get, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. Um, but with the releasing of music, like, we did, we released an EP, uh, and that was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, mind you, I wish we could be, you know, playing shows, you know, and doing all that. But for the bands that have been continuing to do it, I even, I argue that it's more important now as it, as it was a year ago, like to keep doing it, maintaining, staying Mm -hmm. relevant, like not just taking a year off because, you know, whatever, like I I think you're absolutely right. I think it just shows the, the drive of like the artist. Right. It's like you're yeah. you're doing it to do it or you're doing it or you're not doing it because blank. Right. I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I just think it's, you know, like I said, I think it's now it's as important as it was pre pandemic. We need we need content. We need art. Yeah. Music. It's such a weird time right now. And I like that you brought up like the whole weird like throwing off of like the time frame of like the equilibrium of time. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. too am in the same boat, dude. I'm, I still haven't even watched the fucking Transformer show, the Netflix show. 
door for Cybertron or whatever. And I heard me either. I would love to. Those action figures look incredible. (laughs) I I started. Have you seen the figures? (laughs) I have. I have. I I started. So I started it. I think I watched like the first two episodes. Um, Awesome. Like actually really awesome. And Mm -hmm. the the one thing that I find very interesting about it is it takes more of the it takes more of a perspective of um you know what the war for cybertron was and mm-hmm. it tries to it really sheds light on like the fact that like the decepticons were kind of like the worker bees of cybertron um oh, so yeah. so it basically says like it so i'm going to paraphrase here and i'm going to butcher like the concept of the first couple episodes but but in in short it's basically like the the decepticons rose up because they were like yo we're taking the shit we're mining, yeah. you, you know, like we're mining for energon. Like y'all are just fucking the leaders here. We're in the mm-hmm. shit. We're not going to take it. The workers rose up. Essentially, it it seems very like communistic. Like ah, oh, you know, the workers yeah. rise up and take over. But um, it's a very I I like that. Like I'm I'm a big Decepticons fan anyway. Like I got the shit yeah. tattooed in my skin. But like I like the I like the angle that they're taking because it's I've I've never seen it that way. You know, we know what well, we have. It sounds like. It sounds like I, it sounds like it could actually, and I'm, I haven't seen the show, but I'm just going off what you're telling me. It sounds like it could be somewhat relatable, and that always makes for I think better a better show or a better story to tell. We can say mm-hmm. whether it's a book or a movie or a show, it's it's a better story to tell if you can. These days, stories are a lot more complicated than just black, white, right, wrong, good, bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's more complicated and it's more intricate uh, if you can tell a story. So that there's at least some degree of empathy for the so-called bad guy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And then that just—it's all plus two, you know. You know, we're a couple, you know, a couple generations ago, it was easy to uh, read a book or or watch a show and know who the good guy and who the bad guy was. But I, th- I feel like people, the way they when they consume um, that kind of content now, it's like pe- people just like. The stories have to be as unique uh, and multi-layered as the people watching them, or the, as the people reading them. Mm-hmm. So, like I know people like yourself who are big Decepticons. Uh, you know, uh, Patrick, for example, from the Putts Parasite Diet. Um, you should get him on the show. Uh, he's got a lot to talk about. He's got lots of he's got lots of cool. So you guys really get along. He's a huge Star Wars fan. Actually, him and Billy both are. Huge Star Wars fan, and I'm I'm a moderate fan. I'm mostly a movie fan, you know. Mm-hmm. I like some of the toys, but they read all the books and all that, you know. Oh no, shit, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have you should have Patrick on it. You guys would have a great episode. But he's even within the Star Wars realm, he's like almost a hundred percent Empire. He is all about the Empire. He is the like you are with the Decepticons. That's how he is with the Empire. He roots for the bad guys, so called. Yeah. But he, he doesn't view them completely as the bad guys. He views them differently. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you guys could really earmark this because as a Decepticon guy yourself, and by the way, Pat's a huge Star Wars or a Transformers guy too. So you guys could have a really good conversation about exactly what we're getting to, what you're talking about. Me, I'm a little more cut and dry um, as a Joe guy. You know, in that, in that world, it's a little easier to tell the good guys from the bad guys. But, you know, maybe as <laughs> as as time goes on, you know, I, I think as that as that uh, franchise starts to begin a new revival, which I think it is, and mm-hmm. it's going to take years for it to play out, really. 
I think they're going to Hasbro's going to do different things with it. But I think as time goes on, they're going to find a way to add more complexity on this level, like I'm talking about, to that franchise as well. You know, with various different stories they might tell us, whether it's a comic arc or it might be a TV show, movie, who knows? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're going to do the same thing with that. That's the kind of the thing right now. You know, people want because there's Decepticons fans out there. There's fans of the Empire out there. Mm-hmm. You have to do something for them. You can't keep beating up on their guys all the time. You know what I mean? Like they're watching. I just think that's what I'm noticing with a lot of not just in these um, particular IPs, but you know, across the board. A lot of storytelling is multifaceted nowadays. The bad guy is not always the guy you root against anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, I think I, I really like that idea too. And and I was gonna actually, I was gonna talk to you about. I know we had mentioned it very briefly. Um, I do want to talk to you about GI Joe in particular because mm-hmm. I know that that's something you and I were just kind of you know, chatting about back and forth via text and stuff. Um, no, I, I think that would be very interesting to see uh, like a mm-hmm. revival or a reboot with G.I. Joe and almost taking the perspective, because I'm also, I, I love Cobra's badass, dude. Like they're they're awesome. Yeah. I almost think oh, it would yeah. be interesting to, ta- to have the perspective of like Cobra is basically the response to... Um, you know the west and you know this this uh very uh colonialist you know the colonialist west right with their massive mm-hmm. militaries and they're taking up swaths of territory and like occupying you know basically cobra is i mean they're a ruthless terrorist organization right but they are they could also i think be viewed as like well we are the response to global terrorists right like mm-hmm. kind of this mm-hmm. maybe that's too close to what's happening now <laughs> Like maybe that wouldn't work, but, um, I, I love, I do love that idea because as you and I also had talked about, um, I don't know about you, but when they announced that first movie, uh, Mm -hmm. I rise of Cobra, I was like stoked. I was like, fucking finally motherfuckers. They're doing it. They're doing it. And then we got the steaming dumpster fire of shit that the movie yeah. ended up being um yeah where did they go wrong so how about actually hold on hold on a second let me let me let me back this up because i've been recording this whole time i haven't even introduced you and we're we're like well into <laughs> like this said, gonna, there's gonna be some editing brother there's gonna be no some no editing, no no sure. i try i try and keep it as i i try and do as the least amount as possible when it comes to editing because sure i like sure. to keep it fucking punk rock like just roll yeah. with it but you you are correct. Like I do some editing because it is necessary. Like there are some times where I'm like, all right, we gotta shorten this shit up. But anyway, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have, uh, I I have Dougie Tangent from the Putts, uh, the Indiana-based uh, pop punk band, and uh, welcome to the Burger Creek Production 15 Minutes of Fame podcast. And I think we've been chatting for 15 minutes without an introduction. So uh, here's the formal <laughs> welcoming. Uh, well, welcome, Dougie. I appreciate you uh, taking I'm some time. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So I uh, no, I'm glad that we got this lined up because I know that we we had to reschedule a couple times, um, just based on our very busy schedules as human beings. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. so so going back to my my question, what could that movie have done to make it better? And I know that's very open ended, but I want your hot take. Oh on sure, that. sure. I tell you what, there's there's a few different things obviously you could get all into this and people have people have really i mean it's been what 11 12 years now since it came out mm-hmm. uh, and people have people have broken it down any which way you could but really i'm going to i'm going to dumb it down i'm going to give you one 
and you're going to think this is silly, but I'm going to give you one thing that if they had just done it right, right off the bat, that you might have been able, at least a fan, might have been able to overlook a few of the other more kind of anal retentive, fan driven, sure, sure, you know, uh, um, criticisms, okay? Because not everybody that goes to the movie and sees this movie is this super hardcore Joe fan. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I think they could have done if they had just done it right would have really saved it. You're going to think this is silly, but I really honestly believe this. Uniforms. Mm-hmm. The look. Mm-hmm. The look of these guys. Like, I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to modernize and kind of almost neutralize and make it less comic booky, less cartoony. They were trying to make it less like a kid's IP and introduce it to an adult crowd, especially since all the kids from the Joe days of the 80s were now adults. So they're trying to make it a more mature approach to Joe. But if they had just... I mean, it, it, but it also doesn't mean we want to see these guys running around wearing all black either. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I think if they had done something to to bring out their each character's personality more, you know, um, and this also goes for the second movie as well, which I thought was a little bit better than the first, I, actually. I agree. I agree with that. But like, uh, for example, like, could you imagine shipwreck? Thing- could you imagine shipwreck? Like, actually shipwreck. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, could you? What about Mutt? Like, I'm thinking, now I'm thinking of these characters, like, actually, if they would have done it right. uh, And there were some great characters back in the day that they could have introduced that would have been. Listen, okay, listen. And this is my other big criticism. They should have gone a totally different approach. They were trying to go, like, kind of serious action movie. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if they had done. If they had done with those two live-action G.I. Joe movies, uh, Rise of Cobra and Retaliation, like I said, Retaliation's a little bit better. But if they had done, if they had done the same thing with those movies that they did with the Liam Neeson A-Team movie, mm-hmm. that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. And that, remember, that came out around the same time as those two G.I. Joe movies. So all they had to do was maybe grab the guy that made that or grab the writer's from that you know like right. then because then what what that movie did what the 18 movie did was it showed these four big personalities these four characters really well and in gi joe it's nothing but it's nothing but characters the whole thing is tons and tons of characters and tons and tons of personalities and i know it's a lot to fit into one movie i'm not saying fit it all in there take you know we, we know what happens they pick their favorite half dozen guys and that's what they run with a duke or a roadblock and a scarlet whatever mm-hmm. okay but all they had to do was take that approach and make it more – I don't want to say over the top, but if you watch, say, Rise of Cobra and the A-Team movie side by side, it's going to be a night and day difference. You're going to have more fun watching the A-Team movie, and I think they should have gone for the fun approach instead of the serious approach. See, I think – and, to, and I, I, I think you are – first of all, the uniforms thing is very important, and the reason yeah. I say that is because, in my opinion – I'd even go as far to say that, like, the Cobra, like, uniforms and the breakdown of their troops, not only their mm-hmm. troops, but obviously also, like, you know, uh, when you get up, and, and I'm not talking as, as out there as, like, Dr. Mindbender or, or like, Major mm-hmm. Blood and stuff like that, but I'm just saying, like, the... the, the like, the, rap, yeah. Raptor, Crockmaster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not even going into... Ball. I'm not even going into... Well... I'm not even going into that realm uh, as far as like uniforms, but but even the approach of like 
how cool the Crimson Guard looks and, and, and how yeah. cool the troops themselves look. When yeah. you make it so over the top, like the, I think they could have walked the fine line between um, like did, you saw the, the Dread reboot, right? Uh, actually, I did not see that, but for, I have heard it's pretty decent. Okay, it is. It's pretty fucking rad, dude. Like, I yeah. I love the original. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. and and me so and, and here's the other here's the caveat. I will say I've never read the comics, and oh. from from what I've heard, the reboot is very or it tries to be much more true to the comic versus that's what I've that's the, what I've heard too. The Stallone vehicle. Um. Yeah. But but with that being said, I, I almost think that like they could have walked this line between um, being moderately serious, but also mm-hmm. still having fun with it. Because I too, I'm a huge A Team fan. Like that was a big mm-hmm. deal for me. Like I watch when I would come home in high school, I'd sit down, and th- this was when they were doing the reruns on like fucking Spike TV or whatever. Like they mm-hmm. would play mm-hmm. them at like three and four or something. Like anyway, um, yeah. that. That I think is a good analogy for like how you make an adaptation where it's still fun, but it's mm-hmm. it's extreme, and yeah. even even with with the with the GI Joe characters, I mean, literally, you could we could rattle off a ton of them, but like instead of trying to make them their own personalities through their dialogue, a lot of it comes down to like how they look on screen as well. And that is portrayed through their fucking uniforms. So I, I, I think you're, you're just about on the nose with it because not for anything, but like all of the Joes, both Mm -hmm. Joes and Cobra, like, the mm-hmm. uniforms are an extension of their personality, and that's why I yeah. mentioned shipwreck. Like, could you imagine like a parrot like on that motherfucker's shoulder, like in the movie, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even well, Mutt, fuck, what... even Mutt, like having yeah. the Rottweiler follow him around or whatever. Yeah. Like, see, I... I would like that, but that—that's what made me. As soon as you said shipwreck and Mutt, that's what made me think. You know, that's more. Now you're going in the direction of a team where it was more of a fun. We want the we want the sh- the the explosions, and we want the kind of over-the-top action. We want that. It's fun. Popcorn movie, you know? But at the same time, uh, you know, at the same time, put some, put some uh, personality into it, and that's the only way to do it. That is the only way to do it. You cannot put the personality into it by having everybody wear, like, black night ops outfits all day, all night long, and then mm-hmm. having... Basically, everybody looks like snake eyes without a mask on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you've got... So there's very little... Uh, backstory on just pick a couple Joes and give us a backstory. Now they're finally doing that with this new Snake Guys movie, but it's a whole movie about him. It's like that could go. I've heard it. I've heard it's going to be pretty good, but it could go the whole Wolverine X Men Origins direction too, which Ugh. I personally actually did not. Ha- I didn't hate the movie, but I know a lot of people did. And you know what I mean. Yeah. So it could go. It could go that direction. And when they first announced that there was a Snake Eyes movie coming out, GI Joe Origins Snake Eyes, I was like, oh, here we go again. First of all, I feel like they really screwed up Snake Eyes in the um, Rise of Cobra, especially. But then, secondly, my first thought, of course, was I thought about Wolverine, you know, the X Men Origins Wolverine. I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to be the G.I. Joe version of it. At least X Men got a somewhat decent trilogy in before they went for this one. Now we don't even get that. We're just going to go straight for this Origins movie and kill the whole franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that was my first thought. I mean, I have heard it's going to be pretty good, but again, I don't think it's going to be anything like what we're talking about. I think it's going to be on the more serious level, you know. And it's very, I've heard it's very ninja driven, which I also have mixed feelings about. I prefer Snake Eyes as a commando, always have, and less as a ninja, you know. Well, yeah, if he knows how to fight. 
cool. Obviously, he should know how to fight, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I actually, I'm in the minority on something in particular. I actually don't really like the Snake Eyes Storm Shadow rivalry. Really? I actually prefer the Spirit Storm Shadow. Rivalry. Really? Yeah, I prefer, I prefer Spirit and Storm Shadow. If those two guys kept being, I mean, they were in the beginning, but if they kept being the dudes, that I think that could have gotten really cool over time. But they kind of abandoned that, and they, and then Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow became the guys. And now hearing you tell me this, like in real time, I'm very hesitant to be full in because it, mm-hmm. in the same sense, like I agree, retaliation, I think was a little better. I think that the writing was a little better. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. the introduction of Firefly, fucking thank you. <laughs> yes. But, yes. but with that being said, I, I still think it was really the bar was set so low that you could have had every actor show up and just make fart noises with their mouth and i would have been happy with that right like so so as far as like how they're going to introduce this film the 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 origin story it sounds like um i'm almost wondering if they're going to choose a select few characters like similar to like a like deadpool where it's like okay we get Mm -hmm. colossus and that's basically it right you have these other like you have the x-factor characters and shit like that like i'm almost wondering if they'll take that approach where it's like we're taking the the micro versus the macro approach to the joe universe and we're gonna just put them in here and hopefully like i'm gonna have to do some research on that i'm I'm curious to see who's writing it who's putting this together um because it's definitely hasbro is kind of pulling the strings on the back end obviously because they have the rights to it um yeah hmm um I, I arguably I would almost say that if you look back between the comics between uh, well between the various reboots you know GI Joe Extreme mm-hmm. like all that shit if, if you look at the different stories the movie even right you could take mm-hmm. away I'm talking the animated movie obviously but you could take away a number of things and turn those into even standalone movies themselves and mm-hmm. so I when I was in high school. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 32. So I am in a weird time. I'm in a weird age group of people. Yeah, you are. But yeah. I grew up with, you know, nine 11. Right. And yeah. cons- the, yeah. the idea of conspiracy. So like when I look back now as a kid watching this, like at my cousin's house and they would have the VHS tapes and shit, they would, you know, they would show me GI Joe and we all played with GI Joe's so all that shit. But like, if you look back, the point I'm trying to make is Look back on the number of like current conspiracy theories that could have been based around G.I. Joe, the idea of mm-hmm. reptilians, weather control machines, the idea of mm-hmm. like synthoid, like the whole synthoid conspiracy, the two part episode yeah. of things. Like, yeah. dude, there's just like, there's so dude, many endless. things. It's insane. It's endless. It's insane. It's endless. I know. I know. It's endless. It's endless. There's a- any kind of conspiracy that these, these, wackos are coming up mm-hmm. with nowadays and this is what kind of makes me chuckle i'm not trying to go all politics on the oh, show no, 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 this no. is this is what kind of makes me chuckle whenever one of these whenever a new wacko thing conspiracy thing does come up every so often or whatever when a new one does come up i swear to god i it does it never fails i'm like i swear to god i read about that in a comic book in the 80s you mm-hmm. know and they're like fuck yes. it was probably a, a gi joe comic book or something close to it you know um the um you know and they were talking about people were worried about uh some kind of chip in the uh 
COVID vaccinations and all that. I'm like, man, that sounds like some Dr. Mindbender shit. <laughs> and I actually recently someone someone made a joke to me. I can't remember what it was. It was so funny. Someone made a joke. It was like, yeah, even uh, like all these conspiracy theories were getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder and more bizarre. And somebody said, well, even Dr. Mindbender wouldn't even be in for like half of this wacky shit. And it's Dr. Mindbender, you know, right. the guy created Serpentor, you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> you know, even that fucking that. Dude. Or I also heard somebody on a, like a Joe group, like a Facebook group, say something like, uh, I don't know, somebody somebody posted some, you know, wacky conspiracy story, you know, and then somebody else chimes in like, like, um, who's running the government, Dr. Mindbender, you know, or something like that. And, you know, it's true, though. I mean, like like you said, actually, it's funny. Just as you were saying that, I automatically remembered, and I have to do some digging to find you, and maybe you know the one I'm talking about. One of the, probably the first year or two, somewhere in the first year or two's worth of Marvel G.I. Joe comics, there is a small, you know, there's like a box or two. Just It's a short, it's not a, a storyline, it's not a plot, it's nothing. But there's a box or two, I could see it in my head, uh, and, uh, a picture drawn of a plane going into a building. No and, shit. And it's, I want to say, like, probably 82, 83, 84, somewhere in the first couple of years. I remember coming across it not long ago, a few years ago, and being, like, shocked by it. And I'm like, holy shit, this, this is, like, 35, 40 years ago. And... And it was a plane going into the building, and it was drawn in the background, so it wasn't an emphasis. It wasn't what we were, it wasn't what you were reading about right, it on that right, page. Right. It was in the background, like over someone's shoulder or something like that. But, but it looked the way it looked. It was the same exact camera angle, like uh, camera or visual angle. I guess is a better way of putting it. As the if you've ever seen the film footage from the French news crew, mm-hmm. documentary crew, excuse me. That they're, it's like the only known film footage that caught the first yes. tower on 9/11 getting hit. You know what I'm talking yeah. about from oh, the yeah. street, from the street looking up. Okay, well it looks just like that. It's from the same angle. It's drawn from the same angle Jeez. as the first, you know, plane hitting the tower. The French, I call it the French documentary footage, and you know, and they're just like I think they were just like you know walking around taking documentary footage of. I think it was either like a they were with a policeman or a firefighter or some. Some kind of somebody like that. It was like a day in the life of a New York firefighter or something like that. And they were making a documentary like that. Just so, just so happened they were doing that on 9/11 on the morning of 9/11. So crazy. You know? Yeah. So that's the only footage. And you could see it everywhere. You can easily find it on. Oh yeah, YouTube yeah. That's that's like fame. That's deep. Super I, famous. Yeah, it's extremely famous footage. If yeah. you come across that, if you come across those uh, that that issue. But more yeah, importantly, I'll try to find out what it is. Yeah, send send me a picture if you end up stumbling across that again, because I'm always I'm always yeah. fascinated by that. Um, yeah. So what is your? But, yeah. <laughs> so so you you brought up a couple very important very important funny characters. You mentioned Serpentor. So what is your what's your hot take on <laughs> uh, what's your hot take on the movie? Oh, the eighty the yes. movie from eighty seven. GI Joe the movie. movie because I actually because uh-huh. obviously like they took. I would almost say, and, and obviously this isn't obviously this isn't by chance, but they almost took like the same approach where it was like the transform Transformers the movie, GI Joe the movie, like you know, mm-hmm. it, it very linear as far as like we're gonna take yeah. this thing that you love and spoiler alert, like 
you know, Optimus Prime is not in it. It's like, spoiler alert, there's, you know, Cobra Laws. They are the bad guys now. You know, like, so what is your, what's your hot take on G.I. Joe the movie? I think it was 86. Was it 86? uh, Transformers came out in 86. G.I. Joe came out in 87. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, Okay. Because, uh, and then, of course, the live action Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren Mm. also in 87. So those and think about this for just a second before I answer your question. Think about this. These IPs, these powerful, powerful franchises were only a few years into their respective runs, and they were already getting movies. like major motion pictures in movie theaters across the country. All right. This was pre-Netflix, pre-streaming. Hmm. So to have a movie in the theater run across the country – is a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. And I guess it cer- certainly is kind of now, even though a lot fewer people go to the movies now. But uh, but back then, it was it was the pinnacle. That was the goal. That was the goal. And because you knew, you know what I mean? And, and also, too, back then, movies ran for months and months in the theaters, and people went and saw them multiple times. And Dude, then, and then you it, better believe. And then it took fucking a year to get it in the, in the video, video store. Yeah. Fucking, but, fucking nine months. But when, yes, but when it did, and also when it did, guess what? Guess who's getting it for Christmas? It was like mm-hmm. the number one thing, and it was like twenty four ninety nine. You know, it was like not cheap either. So no. it was like they were they were bank. It was like gangbusters, especially with these kinds of properties like Transformers, Masters of the Universe, GI Joe. At that time, mid to late eighties, absolute fucking gangbusters. Dude, tra- you know, teenage mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles oh. was my generation of that yeah. shit. Dude. Yeah, same, yeah. same oh, yeah. thing. And oh, Power Rangers. Fuck. Yeah, and Power Rangers. Power Rangers. And Power yeah. Rangers. Yeah, yeah. My brothers. Um, I've got two younger brothers. They're both hovering around your age. So, you know, they were all. They were like just. They were like say ten years after me culturally speaking. I mean. They're seven and nine years younger than me biologically, but I mean culturally, it's like that whole next generation, which is typically about ten years. And um, yeah, it was for them. It was Power Rangers, Street Sharks, uh, you name it, all that stuff. Captain Planet, (laughs) you know, biker mice from Mars, fucking all that shit, dude. Yeah, all the '90s stuff. Anyway, but to answer your question, um, the movie, the '87 movie, GI Joe. Actually, dude, you know what? I fucking love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I, but I also think I see, I have kind of a weird love hate relationship with it. Generally, I love it. I'm always in the mood to watch it. I own the DVD. I showed it to Cassie pretty early on in our relationship and she and dug she, it. And, and she's thought, still with you. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and that was a, that was kind of a, I don't want to say a test because I don't, I don't like to think that I test people, but or at least voluntarily, I don't voluntarily test people. I certainly sure. involuntarily test people, Sure, but you know, but it was kind of cool to see. And she was into it. Now she was like straight up into it. And um, anyway, I love the movie, but my love hate relationship is such to where I do. I will. I will say, and a lot of hardcore fans that you see on the Joe groups and stuff, they'll they'll say this too. And some people feel really strongly about this, but I will acknowledge anyway the fact that it definitely was a turning point in in that era of GI Joe. So I I, I think that a person can be either like considered pre-movie fan or a post-movie fan. Uh, there's because GI Joe did change quite a bit after them, and the movie changed a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was like, well, we almost lost Duke, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were gonna. I mean, in a way, maybe they should have taken the same approach they did with Prime, you know, because really, we never got Duke back in 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 
good form again after that. They kind of took his character and just pushed it to the wayside until until recently when he became when G.I. Joe in general became more nostalgic. But at the time when it was still very relevant, when G.I. Joe was still very relevant, you know, they were all about moving into the the, Fal- the Lieutenant Falcon era and then lo- moving into this person, that person, this person. And then eventually, you know, towards the end of the, the franchise's run, like the mid, early mid 90s, you're getting this fucking Captain Gridiron and Colonel Courage and what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, you know, became a parody like, of really, itself, basically. Yeah, it was like, uh, it's like, what is this? Like, Mad Magazine version of GI Joe? Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, it's basically what that was. So I will admit that the the movie does represent the end of like that golden golden era where Duke was the man, you know, Flint was the man. Dude, Flint. Yeah. Oh, he was the man. Yeah. He was the man. Um, but I also think you know they were in a huge hurry to reinvent the franchise, and they thought, okay you know who's gonna and this is something to be fair this is something they had already done a couple times at hasbro even before the movie um to kind of keep things fresh every couple years it's like you know they get rid of the vamp after a couple years and they bring in the awe striker and they get rid of the awe striker and they bring in this and they bring in that so like every few years there's a new jeep or there's a new tank they get rid of the mobat they bring in the mauler you know so it's like they're you know that's normal for them and um, you know, it's like every couple of years they have to, you know, they get rid of breaker and they bring in dial tone, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so there's always like, but, um, I think when they tried to do that with a Duke, all right, maybe you can pull that off. Cause Flint is pretty popular, arguably more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then this Falcon can't compare to either one of them. You can't give Cal- Falcon the keys to it. And then they bring in this Sergeant Slaughter. Okay, they found it. They kind of hit gold with that. That really resonated. He was very popular. I loved him when I was a kid. Okay, but he's a knucklehead. He's not going to lead the team. Yeah, he's not he a might leader. Be... <clears throat> no, no, but he's fun. He's fun, but he's not going to be your new Flint or your new Duke. And that's fine. But when they, what they really tried to do is they tried to give, on the other side of things, they tried to give the keys, hand the keys over to Serpentor. And they put a lot into Serpentor. They sunk a lot of the franchise into Serpentor. And I didn't realize it. Like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You already yeah. have Cobra Commander. You already have Destro. You already have Major Blood, Baroness. Uh, you have a lot of big personalities at the top at Cobra. You're going to squeeze this new guy in. And he seemed very cartoonish, <laughs> pun intended. And, <laughs> you know, just over, even more over the top. I mean, how, how can you get more over the top than Cobra Commander? Well, they found a way. They, you know what I mean? And, well, and, and that's. I wasn't a big Serpentor guy. No, and, and me, me either. And part of the reason why I liked those first, the, the original run, like seeing those episodes as a kid, courtesy of my yeah. fucking cousins. But, yeah. but also, like seeing those as a kid, it's like by the time we get to that in the storyline, it's like, okay. I'm down with subconsciously and then obviously looking back as an adult, it's like, okay, that makes sense. I'm down with all of that fucking like, you know, imagery, right? The the reptilians mm-hmm. and the fucking like pyramids mm-hmm. and all the weird occult shit that they like hard baked into the fucking yeah. like show. I like I, I love mind the Cobra Law stuff. Loved yeah. it. What I don't like is when it becomes mm-hmm. like I, I I use the term parody of itself. It's like mm-hmm. you, you're absolutely correct. You have this organization that somehow manages to stand up and build fully functioning bases all over the mm-hmm. globe. Mm-hmm. Why are you now making this 
goofier than it is, right? Like mm-hmm. the 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 whole back and forth between the power struggle be- between Destro and Cobra Commander, and then throwing the bizarre yeah. like the the Baroness like love triangle esque type thing between yeah, her yeah. and it, it, there's there's a whole thing that plays into it. So to introduce this goofy like end of it it's like mm-hmm. as you said if it ain't broke don't fix it it's like you already have these personalities you have the twins who are basically the public face of cobra yeah. but they're not yeah. you know uh, they're not the public face but they are they're they're a corporation yeah. basically so yeah. it's i think that they wrote the perfect villains cobra the cobra organization is in my opinion like one of the best villain like orgs in the history yes. of fucking, you know, uh, cartoon, yeah. cartoon kingdoms and all that shit, right? Yeah, I think they're the best. I think they're the most well written, and they're the. It still holds up. You can still go Absolutely. like for me personally. It's like I do watch those episodes. I have the the mm-hmm. collection or whatever. I bought oh, that. Yeah, yeah. It it was it wasn't That's cheap. Cool. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> um, no. when I bought it, when I bought it, I'm sure now you can fucking yeah. pennies or whatever. Um, but. At the what I'm saying is like you can still go back and you still watch those episodes, um, and they're still like, wow, this is weird. Like this is creepy. Like who thought of, mm-hmm. you know, who thought of building like uh, essentially like replicants of politicians and putting them out to pasture and <laughs> capturing the original ones? You know, like that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good writing. And you know, you know, that's one of the conspiracy theories I've heard yes. is that yes, some people some people think that Biden is actually Trump. You know. <laughs> Like, Dude, what? he's a fucking synthoid. Like, That's what it is. Just tell people that next time. <laughs> and then you know what? You know what too? John Carpenter obviously borrowed a page out of that playbook when he made They Live, and yep. like it's just like you know you can try. It's crazy how much you can trace back to the either the cartoon stories or the comic book stories of the '80s GI Joe run. And 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 how much more we're seeing of that as every day as every new year passes, we're in it's 2021, and somebody somewhere is still trying to recycle one of those wacky story arcs or conspiracies or whatever that that originated in GI Joe somewhere, you know, 30, 40 years ago. They're you know they're still gonna you know what I mean mm-hmm. that that kind of you know either that or the the people that created GI Joe in that era. I don't mean the 60s, but in the 80s. We're fucking mad geniuses, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it, Larry Hama, he's awesome. It's you know? it's crazy. It's crazy to me too that you know you and I are sitting here having this conversation about this. And the fact of the matter is, like, you know, I know for a fact there's people out there that either haven't seen it, have never given it a chance, or just, eh, it's not really for me. And that's that's totally fine. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, like, it it seems to me like I remember back back in like. Back in high school, um, hanging out with my buddies and, you know, we're just at the time, you know, hanging out, fucking, you know, doing whatever, smoking pot or something. And I remember popping in like uh, the I think it was like disc three or whatever. And we just watched Mm -hmm. a couple episodes and they're like, they're like, dude, this is fucking wild. I'm like, I know. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it it still holds up. So, yeah, I I don't know. To to round this out, I'm 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 very interested in what they're going to do with this origin story. I really hope that Mm -hmm. it's not a purely kung fu driven film. Um, And because if you think about it, like when I look at reboots, I don't know about you, but like I I look at the Dark Knight trilogy, like the the, Mm -hmm. the adaptation of of those graphic novels and all that shit Mm -hmm. into, you know, into film. I think that's like I think that's very good, right? They took a dark approach, yeah. and the writing was good. Um, and yeah, they did it right. 
for me when I when I because I, I saw the G.I. Joe movie 2009 fucking Rise of Cobra I saw that in theaters I knew that movie was trash like three minutes into the movie as soon as mm-hmm. we saw Cobra and there's those goofy ass weapons and the fucking lasers like I get in the show that they all used lasers at least initially yeah. it was all lasers yeah. but like it looked bad like it didn't yeah. look the, the Cobra troops didn't look good at all like uh like i equate it to um maybe the way and i know audiences didn't think this way in the 70s when they first saw it but maybe the way the way i look at like the um the troops in battlestar galactica now just kind of unsophisticated clunky i know they're i know they're shiny and that's probably (laughs) what distracted people and gave a few oohs and ahs at first you know because people had never really seen space sci-fi done on that level with that in star wars at that time like i totally get that and they're we give them a free pass and anybody from that era that is still blown away by that they're allowed to be that's fine you know but you know now i we look at you know i'm like and i never really got into you know i wasn't that i was i came around that much long after battlestar galactica i'm 41 so but i never really got i was big into star wars but i never really got into battlestar galactica because of little details like that like you know, these guys seem kind of clunky. How are they supposed to be soldiers? Like, how well can they really fight? Like, they don't really, you know, I could take one of those guys out easily, you know, or Stalker could take one of those guys out easily, you know, or something, you know, like, you know, it's not really impressing me that much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt the same exact way at, what, 30 years old when Rise of Cobra came out and the and I first saw this, the Cobra forces and I'm like, wait a minute, Cobra's supposed to be like, you know, uh slick well organized well financed mm-hmm. uh cutting edge technology really honestly um larry hamill will even tell you he he modeled a lot of it after not the nazis mm-hmm. you know the the german nazi army mm-hmm. he wanted it to be like that intimidating scary very very slick mm-hmm. you know and very extremely well financed and with cu- absolute cutting edge cutting, technology yeah. that's that's why you have a whole character in a leadership role like Despro, who is the weapons designer, like the cutting edge weapons designer. You have to give them that advantage, not the Joes. You would think, oh, the Joes, they're 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 a government entity. They've got the the money of the government behind them. Well, not really. They're mm-hmm. supposed to be this kind of rogue element too. Mm-hmm. They're the guys that aren't supposed to really admit to anything, you know. And U.S. government has to deny a lot of that stuff. Oh, uh, you know. That mission never took place. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're so, like the Blackwater, like you know. Oh yeah. We don't really yeah. know. We don't acknowledge. We don't acknowledge them, but they carry out a lot of the dirty work, right? Like yeah. behind yeah. the scenes, and yep. that's that's yep. that's the other element of of GI Joe that I find very fascinating is the right. Okay, this is you know keep in mind. This is a fucking kids show and a comic. Yeah. Now yeah. they went as so far. They went so far to develop and to account for the fact that it's like, not only are we going to design a character as you said, a leadership role who has financing and he's a he's a literal weapons manufacturer. Yeah. But the okay. twin, but the twins as well. They oh, yeah. are, they are the corporate wing and the fi- mm-hmm. they are the literal finance element, the public facing yeah. finance element, which. Mm-hmm. I find extremely fascinating that someone thought of that for a yeah. fucking kid show. No kid is going to yep. sit there and be like, well, that makes sense <laughs> from a storyline perspective. That's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. need to have financing behind it. You know, like all of these terrorist organizations yeah. are financed by somebody like 
No. Uh-huh. Who who thought of that? Like I applaud yeah. them. I yeah. applaud them. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. There's many many layers to it, mm-hmm. and that's just that's just talking about Cobra. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Joe side, instead maybe that organization is not as layered, but instead they have all these characters that are multifaceted. So mm-hmm. it's like one way or the other, you get your fix of there's there's that. You can dig and find more. It's a satisf- there's satisfaction from that, you know, and that's where that's actually where the comic comes in handy because it's like, all right, you know, say you're a little kid, started out watching this show, you cut your teeth on the show, but now you get a little bit older. Maybe you're not not watching the show anymore, but you kind of want a little bit more. Bingo, there's the comic. And at this point, at that point, I was probably eight, nine, ten years old. And the comic was actually still pretty decent by then. Actually, in some cases, it was writing some of the characters extremely well. And the Special Missions comic had just started, and that was really good. And, you know, at that point, that was a pretty good time for a young kid who's not super young to start jumping into another level. And G.I. Joe was in the Marvel comic, especially, and Larry Hama, who wrote it, were ready for you already. And they were ready for, they knew you were coming. They knew at some point you're going to be nine, 10, 12 years old. And they've already got the next level of Joe that would appropriately appeal to you there. So everything you're just saying about how impressive it was with how multifaceted, you know, uh, Cobra in particular, but all of it really is for a kid's show. Well, amp that up a little bit. And there you have the comic because it was obviously designed for the next level age group up, maybe eight to 12, you know what I mean? And boy, oh boy, that's fantastic. I don't know how much of that you've read, but if you haven't read much, dive the fuck in and go all the way. There's like 150 issues, go all the way, because it's fantastic. And it it takes what you're talking about to an appropriate next step, like even more levels even more complicated, even more, you meet, you, you go, you tear off a few more, it's like a layer in an onion, you know, it's even more layers, and man, it's so impressive, so if you're impressed with that, I would, re- I would recommend diving into the comic series, because they were ready for me, like, they were, by the time I was like, mm, I want to start reading comics, boom, it's like, the, the Joe comic was still in a very, very good period, very good run, very, and it develops the characters even more, it takes the time to develop the characters more than a you know, 30-minute cartoon show does. It was easy for G.I. Joe to be, quote, a real American hero. Nowadays, is it so easy to do that? Or nowadays, is it so easy to put, and this would explain some of the goofy weaponry you were talking about in the movie, uh, because, by the way, that hasn't gone away. The weaponry is still stupid. You know, the 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 classified action figures, their weaponry are literally Nerf guns. You know? See, it's like, I, so, I, I, can, I can deal, like... I guess what I was saying is like I was really hoping that I, I could even uh, – I understand the fact that it's like they're cutting edge technology. They're using lasers. I just think it was sure. the execution in the movie of how they portrayed that yeah. because – And that's and that's what I was talking about with the Battlestar Galactica. Go back and watch the way they were shooting their lasers and even compare it to their, their, their counterpart of that era in Star Wars. Mm. It's like night and day. Yeah. It's night and day. Yeah. It's clunky and stupid. You know, compare it to Star Wars, which looked very slick and was very well executed. You know, right. they're both shooting. They're both shooting lasers, like you said. There's a way to shoot lasers and not make it look lame. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I think that's the that should be the unofficial like tagline 
of uh, of this specific episode. There's ways to shoot lasers and make it not lame. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. big thing that I think a lot of franchises, and this is this is my hot take on this, a lot of franchises suffer from the fact that they'll get the rights to something, and then they will create characters for the sake of creating characters, when in actuality, mm. there is a wealth of things. There's a wealth of characters that have back, backgrounds that are recognizable, yes. that's already been created, and so instead of doing it to do it, draw from the pool that's already exists, because the Absolutely. fucking well is deep. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and like X-Men, for example, like they were pr- they That's were pretty a good. Well, right it's a very deep well, but they created fucking mutants just to say, well, fucking yeah. Bill and, you know, Bill wrote this. So we got to, you, know, yeah. well, you know, Bill, he's not going to let us write out of it, you know, like whatever. Yeah. And it's like and same thing with Star Wars. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that they're finally coming back around. And there's the, the rumors of like, well, Thrawn is next. They're good. Thrawn is next. Thrawn is next. It's like awesome. He's been that. He's been in the fucking universe forever. Why the fuck are we just mm-hmm. doing this now? You know, like yeah, exa- exactly. So exactly. So anyway, with with the GI Joe thing, I think they could they could. It's a fucking plug and play. You oh, have yeah. everything already created, and that's why with the the this new film, the the origin story, I really hope that they they do draw from what's already you know what's already fucking not even canon. It's it's part of the. It is mm-hmm. the story. It is mm-hmm. a story, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm I'm trying to be hopeful about it. <laughs> you know, you, you the know, more we talk you, about it, it's making me like sketched out about it. <laughs> you know, like well, um, I, I you know I'm I'm back and forth. I have my moods. I where I get sketched out about it, but then I also I also have to remind myself we are sitting here. We are talking about new GI Joe content and toys in 2021. So I will take mm-hmm. that for now. Uh, for now is the key word, just because we did learn our lesson from Rising Cobra. We can't get too excited. You know. But um, Dude, Rise of Cobra, I, I, Teenage just, Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, yeah, and I will say Transformers too. I'm, I personally, me, I, I just don't like. I, I have a problem with Michael Bay. I just pooping on my yeah. my franchises. A lot of people do, but um, a lot of people do, and and that's not to say fucking Con Air was awesome. The Rock yeah. was awesome. Oh, yeah. Stop yeah. stop fucking with franchises, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Just what stick it is. with the original material, you know, and the one offs too. Keep making the one offs. Those seem to work. And even though really you can extend it from Michael Bay, you can extend it across uh, you know, Tony Scott, Bruckheimer, all yeah. their best stuff that yeah. they've all done have been like Top Gun, you know, things like that, like one offs. Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, they sure they got a couple of those in before the third one turned into a shit show. But you know, uh you know, those were pretty good, the first couple. And so stick with those, you know, don't, don't, it's, it's when you touch something that already exists is where you get in trouble. You have to be very, very careful. Now, what do we know? Because yeah, right, know, the, right, Star Wars, exactly. the Star Wars movies and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were hugely, hugely, Transformers, hugely popular. Transformers, they were massive. They were massive. Oh, I meant, that's what I meant to say. I meant to say the Transformers movies and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, those two were massively popular. Massive. Yeah, I didn't mean to say Star Wars. And I, and yeah. I, and, and I will say, like, I... I can sit down and watch the original, the first Transformers film, and be mm-hmm. like, "All right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this." Like, yes, Soundwave wasn't in it. You know, they didn't bring him in. I, I think until like the second or third one, and even then, he was a fucking satellite orbiting. Like, he wasn't even, oh. he didn't even do any. You know, oh. like it was just like this token yeah. character. It's like, well, what the you're fuck, take, you're, dude? You're taking the the best villain from yes. Transformers, and you are selling him so short. He is the one Transformer that. 
if you if you oh he's the one he's the most that loyal. I'm looking at he's the most yeah, loyal yeah. to to fucking Megatron he is yeah despite what anyone wants to say that they start bringing like Shockwave and stuff it's like no 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 Soundwave oh, I like I like Shockwave I love too, Shockwave but I feel like Shockwave is like kind of uh, I don't know he's kind of like not as him and Soundwave are two totally different personalities. Exactly. I guess that's what makes them cool. You have, I mean, you have to have that dynamic surrounding leadership. I mean, hell, that's what you have in in uh, Cobra. Mm-hmm. You know, you have um, Zartan, the 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 beef between Zartan and Destro, which is ongoing because they're both they're both trying to they're both vying for that second spot, that mm-hmm. number two spot. You know, they're both you know, and then when as soon as Serpentor shows up, that fucks everything up. And it's like, oh, oh okay, yeah. there's. Now, now there's people vying for the top spot and the second spot. Going back to like the point of you know not only creating things for the sake of creating them, but like I'm I'm mm-hmm. not as naive to think that every person who has the money to finance a movie or get the rights to something, they may or may not be mega fans. But what yeah. I'm hopeful for is instead of viewing it as like a cash cow, at the very least, bring someone in that can relate and understand how to curtail mm-hmm. a, a story or design a story that is mm-hmm. going to appeal to the fucking yeah. hardcore fans. Not to say that everything you, everything that needs to be done needs to be catered around the hardcore fans, right? You you obviously want to get new audiences mm-hmm. in there, the, the next gen, like sure. whatever. I get that. But I think there's a fine line because with some of the stuff that you're talking about, too, in, in these adaptations, it's like, did you guys literally just view this as a fucking money grab? Because there, there was, mm-hmm. as you said, with comics in particular, it, it requires reading. And mm-hmm. I feel like with a lot of these examples, no one read shit. They just yeah. they saw the we can get the characters the like the likeness and fucking yeah. the, whatever the branding we have it right so let's just yeah. do what the fuck ever people will buy it and it and sucks I think that was that was Rise of Cobra that yes. was Rise of Cobra yeah oh one That's exactly dude, what they did with that one hundred percent and it sucks because not for anything but every iteration in my opinion of Cobra Commander even mm-hmm. the fucking goofy space shit like mm-hmm. I'm down with his imagery. Always, whether it's the fucking hood or whether it's the mm-hmm. steel faced fucking like mask, right? The the reflective yeah. fucking mask, the helmet. Yeah. I'm down with all that. It looks fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Always looked cool as shit. It's like, so yeah. why are you turning him into this like failed fucking science experiment slash like yeah like a freak it's a freak yeah in 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 the idea like of even him being a reptilian like I'm cool with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm cool with that. And I'm cool with Destro being like a literal shapeshifter again, going back in conspiracies like this just is cyclical. We're just going. <laughs> but yeah. But like if you're going to to take liberties with how you're like carrying across a point and executing it on screen, it's like mm-hmm. don't try and reinvent the wheel so much because yeah. I think personally, people see through that. Even if you're not a, 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 even if you're even a casual fan or not a fan at all, you're gonna see mm-hmm. that and be like, "Well, that doesn't fucking make sense." It's like, why the fuck did? Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> what is this? And a lot of times, a lot of times they make a change because they're trying to read what the potential modern movie-going audience of a, sure. of a hopefully a hopefully a wide age range of what they will uh, react to. You know the most positively, or what will what will serve that audience better? Which obviously is not maybe not the same audience that would have seen the GI Joe cartoon movie in 1987. So you have to. 
I get that part. I get sure, that part. But, sure. But at the same time, you know, if they, like I said, just uh, piggybacking off of what you were saying, if, they, if you know, if you've got access to the whole franchise, not even half the fucking characters, not even that, and you can dig a little deeper and you can pull in another character that nine times out of ten, what's already probably there will serve you just as well or better in your movie or sure. in your TV show. You just have to give the fans, uh, not even the fans, just the audience in, in general, a little bit more credit. And I think sometimes they are dumb. Sometimes they are dumbing it down for folks. And then, yeah. like you said, folks are smarter than that. They, you know. And the problem too, though, is if it's somebody new to the franchise and they've never, they don't know anything about GI Joe or whatever it is, and they see this kind of uh, this villain or whatever this character or even this storyline just isn't doing much for them. Well, you know what, dude? You had a fantastic storyline that Mark, that uh, excuse me, Larry Hammer wrote throughout all of 1987 in the Marvel comics. Why aren't you making a movie out of that? It was absolutely amazing. First time Cobra Commander takes his mask off or something like that. Who knows? You know, um, the first time Baroness and Cobra Commander start having feelings for each other. You know, there's so much there, though. It's rife, rife with. You can make almost a trilogy out of this thing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, but yet they dumb it they dumb it down and that that does trickle all the way to these this potential brand new unknowing fan uh 14 year old kid sitting in the theater for the first time seeing anything gi joe related for the first time his dad's been telling about it for years and here he is giving it a shot and it's kind of he's like walking out kind of meh you know if you had just used um you know scrap iron or firefly sure. instead of this made-up dude that might have made a difference because you might be walking out of there thinking about, oh, man, that Firefly's slick. He might be my favorite part of that movie. Yeah. Oh, there's an action figure? Oh, there's an action figure? Oh, I got to go get that. You know? Oh, there's I mean, there's multiple action figures of the same character yeah. in different outfits? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's... And, and yeah. to, to go to go back to to kind of that point of like okay execution you know and and kind of adapting I when you and I had first talked about like lining this interview up and and I was mm -hmm. like dude you should you should rewatch Rise of Cobra so I I did rewatch I it. haven't by the way no no it's I okay haven't. it's okay I, I didn't get a chance it's totally okay I'm gonna I'm gonna just dude speaking of like lip service but like painful cringe. I counted in the first, I think it was the first half hour of the movie, they squeezed in, like, I think, like, four or five, like, really cringy, like, wow, she got that, got that kung fu grip, and then it was like, well, we're just, all, we're all real American here, just like, oh, like, fucking kill me, like, shit I didn't pick up when I saw in theaters, probably because yeah. I was just so, like, dumbfounded at how bad it was the first time yeah. through, but, like, going back and, like, doing a rewatch again, it was just, like, wow, like, yeah. it, it speak, talking about, like, just treat, spoon-feeding the audience, and, like, yeah. basically, I, it, in my opinion, it seemed like this was almost, like, a fucking snotty way of like being yeah. like oh here's the lip service for the fans but we're gonna do it in like 10 minutes and it's gonna be yeah. all catchphrases and weird shit yeah like, and che they cheat well they cheapened it cheap it. yeah exactly like if you, you really want to serve the fans you really want to impress the fans you might want to take more of a like force awakens approach that whole movie is like that basically it's all mm. nostalgia it's all the fans eat, ate it up it's the only one from that trilogy that I saw in the theater more than once, you know, for a reason. I actually saw it five times. 
But wow. That that's a good example of how I think you can do it right. Now, that doesn't mean I, I mean, certainly if you talk to some diehard Star Wars fans and maybe this is something you might want to make a note you might want to talk about the new trilogy with patrick because i know he's got some good thoughts about it but i i also have some i also have some thoughts about it because yeah i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna get into that but like i (laughs) i'm not yeah i'm not uh there was not a lot about that friend that new trilogy that was like super impressive to me but like there Uh was there was some things in there that were impressive to me but I, you know, the whole time I'm watching the, the the Force Awakens, though, it became apparent to me. I'm like, yeah, they're just. This is basically just a welcome back party. This is a welcome back party. Feel goodery. Make, feel goodery. Feel good. Feel good. Now they really, really, really need to find a way to channel that a little bit, but also mix it with the A Team. Like mm. I said, the A Team movie, the Liam Neeson movie. Okay, mm. if you can, if you can channel those two vibes and put them together. Maybe a little bit of uh, Kill Bill if you're going to do some ninja stuff, okay? Because that's that's cool because it's kind of a f- fun ninja movie, not a serious ninja movie. Sure. You know, if you want to take those three vibes, mix them together, that would be such a fantastic and well-executed G.I. Joe movie. And I think it would do a good job of really all that the studio cares about and all Hasbro cares about is expanding the brand. They've already got us. They know they've got us. They've proven that. They've put out some shit, and we still went and saw it. You know what I mean? And they put out some crappy toys, and we still will go and buy them mm-hmm. for three times the, the the retail price. So it's like they've already got the the forty year olds. You know, I mean, they've they've had us since the eighties by the hook, the hook in the fucking cheek. You know what I mean? But it's expanding the brand, which I know they're trying to do. They've got that game that came out last fall, um, that video game that came out. I have not played it. I I have I haven't I don't really do games, but like I. I was considering getting a console just to play that game, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I've heard, I've heard from a lot of people that it's a stinker, you know, and I was just telling Patrick the other day, uh, Fortnite is getting, is hopping in bed with GI Joe slowly, but surely they've got a snake eyes skin that you can use. And they, and there's also, um, uh, Hasbro pulse did a pre-order for a Fortnite GI Joe. I guess you could say it was a official kit bash, uh, snake eyes figure that went on pre-order a couple months ago. And it was pretty well received at first, just based on the images. It's not out yet, but it's a pre-order. And I think it doesn't come out for like a fucking year, but a lot of people bought it. Mm-hmm. And so if there, I think there's potential for something there. And I've been watching the, the Fortnite kind of the development of Fortnite over the last couple of years and thinking, you know, it's too bad this couldn't have been G.I. Joe instead of Fortnite because this there, that could have been a thing. The Fortnite figures are very popular. Kids actually play with action figures in 2021 which was my initial like thing was like you know why do you want to try to bring anything back because the way we had it versus the way it is now kids just play differently now but really fortnite kind of proved that actually kids still play with action figures and that's what they play with they play with a lot of marvel and fortnite you know mm-hmm. and if you can borrow a page out of either one of their playbooks and so i think maybe hasbro and fortnite are starting to kind of like you know, like, hey, we might need each other. You know, like, we might be able to make good things together. Let's do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And now that that might potentially upset a lot of, like, purists, G.I. Joe purists, because that might mean making this child's property more children-driven again, which it hasn't been for a long time. And because Fortnite is kind of more kiddish, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? 
And that might mean you start, and sure enough, they, when they put out these, that first wave of classified figures, everybody was balking at, oh, all these, they look terrible. Duke and Scarlet and Roblox have all this gold armor all over them, and all the weapons look like Nerf guns and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, well, have you guys ever actually looked at the Fortnite figures? They're ridiculous, but kids love them. Mm. And last I checked, Hasbro's in the business of selling toys, you know? That's the, and, that is their business. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are 45-year-old rich suburban dudes, you know, married with kids and nothing else going for you other than selling insurance. So you're just invested in this fucking outrageous G.I. Joe toy collection you have. And this isn't to your liking for whatever reason, you know, and you've been deprived of G.I. Joe on toy sh store shelves for, you know, years and years and years. And now you finally have it. You can't just buy this for your kid and shut up. You have to bitch about it. It's like that really upset me. And I'm like, oh, we're doomed. You know, Hasbro's actually giving us a chance, and this is how you repay them. <laughs> it's, it's, but yeah. all those guys went out and bought them. I mean, you can't find classified figures in stores. So with all their bitching, they still went out and bought them. They still sold them all out. So it's like, all right. So <laughs> you know? so, so here's here's what I'm gathering, because mm -hmm. I do need to jump off this call, because i got to go and do some sure. other, other fucking sure. bullshit. But... Listen to this. I think I think I've figured it out for us. All right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you and I, what we need to do is we need to mm -hmm. find a financier to acquire the mm -hmm. rights to GI Joe, and we need mm -hmm. to just write a movie. Let's just do it. Oh, that'd be cool. It's a fucking yeah, trilogy. Cool. Let's just do actually, it. I uh, actually st studied for one year at community college Ooh. towards writing. I I tried. Well, I only got a year under my belt, but actually, I wanted to be a. I wanted to be a. A screenwriter back in like the early mid 2000s i was pursuing that yeah i still have all my textbooks and stuff <laughs> well i mean I, th I think we're good to go then because like i went to school for yeah. three years for journalism so i oh wow yeah dude so See, I... that was my that was my next choice i really wanted to be an investigative journalist i love journalism it's it's love uh it. It changed my. I mean, that's this. So, it, to bring you a little bit into my psyche, that's why I wanted to do this because the, specifically the show is because it mm -hmm. kind of scratches that itch. Um, I actually I was tell. I was getting into the music journalism field. That's essentially what I was doing. Like, I had some really fun conversation. Like, I sat down and interviewed like Real Big Fish minus Aaron. It was everyone but Aaron. Um, so I mainly hung out with Dan Reagan, basically. <laughs> like Johnny Christmas, they were cool. all there. But yeah, Dan Dan was fucking awesome. Um, and then I sat down with fucking Les and Jake on their tour bus and like bullshit with them. Like, and I'm a you know I was fucking 19 years old. Like hanging. It's just, that was kind of what I was getting into. But like that's why I did this show because yeah. It was it. I'm sick, so so like it kind of scratches <laughs> scratches that itch, uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, but dude, that's it. Mm -hmm. I think we just got to find someone. We need to just write a movie. <laughs> Let's just pitch it, yeah. dude. We can write it. I'm telling you, dude. We yeah. can do it. <laughs> Stop and talking so tough, but you're just a numbskull and I'm having enough, oh yeah. 
up, better do it fast Cause I'm gonna take you out with the laser blast Better hit the deck, better watch your ass Cause I'm gonna take you out with the laser blast Better wise up, better do it fast Cause I'm gonna take you out with the laser blast Better hit the deck, better watch your ass Cause I'm gonna take you out with the laser blast Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah Gonna take you out with the laser blast 